0: But I'm going to return right back to the Love Walk, because I have not finished it at all yet, okay? So we're going to look into some things, and I pray that you will have time, if possible, to go back and listen to some of the archives, if you do desire to catch up on this. Again, in my humble opinion, the most important message in the book is that God is love, okay? Now I'm going to just read a couple of things here off my notes real quick, so I can do this hopefully a little bit uh, in, in a shorter amount of time. But I, I want to start, we're going to go to the through the epistles where we finished off. We're going to go back to Philippians. But I want to read this one familiar verse again, 1 John 4, 16. This is the King James. It says, and we have known and believed the love. We have believed the love. Have you believed the love? Have you believed the love that God has for you? I'll read it now. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Wow. What an incredible statement. When you really stare at it, look at it, think what John is saying. He that dwells in love dwells in God, and God dwells in him. But <clears throat> this trial that I've gone through this last, last six, seven, seven weeks, actually, it, it came up often to me. Do you believe the love I have for you? Rod, do you really believe that I love you this much? And I, I just wrote this down. Satan's overall intent. and listen. Satan's overall intent is to find any way to make you doubt the love that God has for you. Whether through trial, illness, loss, or some other means he knows, Satan knows, he must get us, he, his overall plan is he must get us to question God's faithfulness. So when an illness lingers, as long as like mine has this situation with this bacterial pneumonia stuff, whatever, you know, uh, <clears throat> you have the opportunity, the thoughts come, you, know, you all know, we believe in healing, we've seen many people heal. And the questions will arise, you know, what's why, you know, all of that. But you just have to come to the place, you've heard me say this before, where you say, Father, I believe in your love for me. Therefore, I will not question your faithfulness one iota. I don't have the answers for all of this. I do not know why this is lingered. But you know, when it's all said and done, I realize that, I think, as I said on the little short Easter statement I made, I can't be sick. Because I, the true person, Rod, is a spirit, and my spirit is entwined and made one with God's Spirit, and God can't be sick, so I can't be sick. This body you live in, however, it does indeed contract stupid stuff along the way at times. It gets weakened, it gets messed up. But to me, during this last passage of time with me, like I said, it became a critical thing for me to really identify the difference, to really make sure I saw that I am not my body. And it's just the moment that happened about four days, five days ago, when I really got that, and I began to confess that and say, Father, thank you. I'm not, I can't be sick because I, you know, who I really am, my spirit, me, I'm a spirit, I'm not this body. Rod Anderson is this spirit that God recreated through faith in Christ Jesus. So anyhow, I'm just saying, so you have to be able to differentiate between your body and you. That became crucial to me. And then I looked and I just said, Father, therefore, I believe the love. Nothing's going to separate me from your love whatsoever. Hallelujah. So think on that as we begin to go back here. Now let's go to Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 2. These words are amazing. Again, like I said, all through the epistles. Fill up and complete my joy, Paul says, by living, listen to how many statements he makes that are of the same ilk. Fill up and complete my joy by living in harmony, living in harmony, being of the same mind, one in purpose, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one harmonious mind and intention. He makes all those things. But really catch it. See, again, I say this over and over again, don't just skim these words. He says, complete my joy by really catching this. You need to live in harmony. You need to be of the same mind. You need to have one purpose. You need to have the same love. You need to do your best to be in full accord and have one harmonious mind and intention. And then he goes on to verse 3 and he says, don't do in do nothing from factional motives, but just catch that. He said, listen, this is one of the check signs that you have to have in your life. Is there anything in this motive of yours that wants to, as it were, do a little bit better than someone else or cause a little light to shine on you as opposed to God? Do nothing from a factional, something this divisive, from a factional motive. You have to pray about things. He said, through contentiousness strife, selfishness, or for unworthy ends are prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, because there is a false spirit of humility, in the true spirit of humility, he says, let each regard others as better than and superior to himself, thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourselves. Now, we've Shared those verses before, but uh, what would happen if we actually became that type of people? In the true spirit of humility, let each regard others as better than and superior to yourself. Think more highly of one another than you do yourselves. Can you imagine actually being disciplined to the revelation of the presence of Almighty God and His Spirit in us? that all, all all essence of any pride or desire for self has so disappeared that every single individual you meet you want to better them by what i mean is you want to add value to their life and you esteem them as superior to yourself doesn't that that see that's an impossible stupid consideration for the natural mind, for the people of this world. But nevertheless, that's what God's Spirit has. Let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for not merely his own interests, but also for the interest of others. And then he cracks or caps it off by saying this, let the same attitude, the same, let this same attitude, everything he just described, and purpose, and humble mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. He said, if you're going to be like Jesus, which is hopefully all of our goal, this has got to be the issue. He said, let him be. Let these aspects that I write right here, Paul says in Philippians 2. Let this be part of your great quest again, like I said in Corinthians. Make this your great quest. Let Christ be your example in humility. He esteemed others more than he esteemed himself. And I don't care how many times you've heard that said. It's something you need to think about. There's something, actually, you need to wake up considering. And anytime you go anywhere where you're going to, quote, be with people, meet with people, that's something that should be in your spirit. You should be considering that. Then we jump down to Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Like I said, I'm just going through the epistles, this whole thing. Let all men know... And perceive and recognize your unselfishness." Do people recognize unselfishness when they meet with you? Do people recognize unselfishness when they meet with you? Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. And that's enough, but then he says this, he says, why would he add this to that statement? The Lord is near, he's coming soon. Why would he say that at the end of this statement, let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit, for the Lord is near. (laughs) Do you catch what he's saying there? He's saying you need to really be aware the Father is coming. Jesus Christ is returning. And when he returns, he's looking for identificational signs of his people, people that carry the same mind. People came to carry the same humble attitude. The unselfishness of heaven. All the desire to give, to bless, to increase value. Hallelujah. Think about that. To me, that is incredible. So, it's again, it's not just a little statement in there. He said, let all men. So, I ask you this question again. When people meet you, do they recognize unselfishness? Hallelujah. Well, I pray they do in Jesus' name. I pray they do. Okay, now we're going to we're gonna jump right now to the book of Colossians, and again we're just going to go, like I said, epistle, epistle. I, I know you probably get bored with me saying all the time, but see, this is what changed my life when I actually went through the, all of the scriptures, particularly New Testament, looking for everything that had to do with the love of God, and I found, you know, that it was... It was the crux of every single epistle, every single Pauline epistle, uh, what Peter, you name them, this is what it was about. They brought this, and this was the core value. This was the absolute core value of someone who followed Jesus Christ. So it's nothing for us to just dismiss easily. Colossians 2 verse 2, it says, I'm just going to start there, and didn't read the first, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love." He's talking about the people going through the issues that they go through in life. "...that they might be knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ." Again, there's much more teaching in this, but that's for another topic, as it were. It's as you're being knit together in love, you become far more able to acknowledge the mystery of God. In other words, you begin to see more, understand more, catch more what this entire plan was all about because you can't understand God until you have a greater capture of His love because He planned in love for us and He is love and you won't decipher things correctly if you don't see through that, that aspect, if you don't see through Him wanting to love us, okay? And the word, you know, for knit together is this Greek word, sumbibazo, it's S-U-M-B-I-B-A-Z-O, signifies being united as the beams of the timbers of a building, being united as the beams of the timbers of a building by mortises and pins. The visible church of Christ cannot be in union with God unless it has unity in itself and without love this unity is impossible that's from adam clark's commentary being knit together in love knitting takes a little time I used to watch my mom knit things all the time you know real skill to it actually isn't there and we become knit together as we get close enough to each other to love each other To show our unselfishness, to show our desire to esteem others more than ourselves. All that causes us to be knit together. And when you're knit together, you're multiple times stronger. Hallelujah. Now we jump to Colossians. Like I said, it's going to be short this morning. Colossians chapter three says this. Actually, I'm going to read from verse chapter three, verse 12. Listen to this in the Amplified. Clothe yourselves, therefore. (laughs) Put on God's clothes. Clothe yourselves, therefore, as God's own chosen ones. I'm one of God's own chosen ones, and so are you. His own picked representatives, who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God himself, by, and here's what he says to put on for clothes. This is the clothes you're supposed to put on every morning and actually go to bed with. By putting on behavior that's marked by something marked by tender-hearted pity, mercy, a kind feeling, a lowly opinion of yourselves, gentle ways, and patience which is tireless, and long-suffering, and has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. Verse 13, be gentle and forbearing with one another, like I'm sure every single one of you are, Hallelujah. Be gentle and forbearing with one another, and if one has a difference or crie- a grievance or a complaint against each other, readily pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so must you also forgive." Like I said, you can never, never uh, go deeper, as it were, or go deep enough to exhaust the truth of forgiveness and the power of what it means to walk free from angst and, and holding you know, grudges against people. he said readily, he said readily, if there is a difference, if there is a grievance, if there is a complaint, readily pardon each other. Be ready to pardon, instantly be ready to pardon, even as the Lord was ready and He forgave you so must you also forgive. And then verse, verse 14 says, and above all these things, strong words in the Greek, above all these things, in other words superior, tantamount is what it says, and above all these things put on love and enfold yourself with the bond of perfectness, it says, which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. Now, you got to catch this. He said, above all these things put on love, he said, it binds everything together in ideal harmony. You know, I just wish we could catch that. It's the binding glue, it's the stuff that causes things to work like God intends them to work. Above all things, above all things, see. To please, really hear that. Open your spiritual ears. Above all things, see. I know this. This is important. Healing is important, right? Salvation is incredibly important. Prophecy is important, but above all those things, he said, put on love. It's the bond of maturity, and like I shared early on in these teachings. You know the true essence of spiritual maturity is to walk in God because God is love and I would imagine God therefore is pretty spiritually mature in other words I used to ask that question remember how many of you think God is rather spiritually mature you know what a silly question of course he is but see he's absolute pure pristine love and that is the absolute beacon of godly maturity and so this is why again the more Love you learn to discipline yourself to the God kind of love, not the worldly kind of stuff. but the more you discipline yourself to the love of God, see the more spiritually mature you are and that maturity means you see again things more clearly you're you're more you're more aware of the decisions you need to make and how to make them and how to present yourself for people. So it's just incredible. The NIV says and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. am just going to read this and basically then we're going to be finished. Verses 12-15 relate to us that we are to be clothed as God's own picked representatives by putting on behavior marked by loving attributes. And I just finished this by saying there are countless more scriptural proofs that the demonstration of the God kind of love through us to the rest of the world is paramount to God's plan. Remember, no man hath seen God at any time, but if God lives in us, but if we love one another, God lives in us. Let me quote it again No man hath seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God dwells in us. The only way the world's going to see God is when they see Him representative in us. Through this thing called God kind of love, the agape love. And I said, let us do all we can to press past our flesh and discipline ourselves to the love of God. It will actually be the difference between life and death to some of the people whom we meet. Think about that. We can actually be the ones who bring life-changing purpose to a person that we meet, simply because we're going to look at them, see them, think of them through the love of God, through the eyes of God. This is so crucial. But I hope you got some of this from this morning, got some stuff from this morning. We love you so much. I'm thrilled that I'm able to speak again. I I, I again want to give thanks to all of our incredible people in our fellowship that have spoken in my uh, absence. My gosh, we are blessed. We have some people who have real intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ and know how to communicate his love as well. But God bless you richly, and we'll see you soon. Amen. Amen. Bye-bye.